Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. On this week's pod, we have... SummerSlam to be held at an empty Amway Arena. The life and times of James Kamala Harris, remembering his life and legacy. All that and more on this week's show. Once again, hello everybody. Welcome to this second edition of the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. I'm Mark Blake, and as always, I have with me Mr. Pete Moon. Hi, Pete. Hello, Mark. How are we doing, mate? Are we all right? Excellent, Mark. Excellent. And as always, we have our editor-in-chief, our big head honcho, we have Mark Madison. How are we, sir? We are doing wonderful. Hope, hoping you guys are doing great on the, this Friday afternoon, evening, depending on where you're coming from. It is uh, Friday evening over here. I think it's Friday afternoon for you guys. Is that right? Excellent. Sure. A little bit of weather update. It's uh, just the tail end of a heat wave over here. So hopefully I, Ivan's not slept in three days. So this hopefully will not mention, will not have any effect on my podcasting duties. But apart from that, it is all good. So let's crack on with the first subject. As mentioned in the open there, we uh, have news that SummerSlam next weekend is going to be held at the empty Amway Arena. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What do we think, guys? We've had troubles hearing about the... Uh, uh live event uh oh man i'm tripping over myself pretty hard right now <clears throat> so all right all uh, we've heard about the troubles that wwe have been having at live events even before the pandemic and uh, the links they went to 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 cover that up and i'm wondering exactly how they're they're fair gonna gonna deal with this considering there will be no fans in the amway center what's capacity on the amway center it's eighteen thousand. yeah 18 18 for an nba game could probably fit twenty thousand in there for a for a wrestling show, mm-hmm. um, but of course they won't be fitting anybody in apart from the wrestlers. Which uh, it's not quite as many as they used to be, but um, yeah, it's it's a it's once again it's it's the good with the bad. It's good because it's getting them out of the performance center, and that was becoming as stale as yesterday's old bread. It's bad because. They're in this whacking great big arena that, apart from what have I just seen, it's two thousand five hundred square foot of LED boards. Yeah, it's going to be as empty as anything. I mean, what 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 can we take away from that, guys? What about you, Mark? What do you think? Well, we were talking about this with it being uh, the Amway Arena. I mean, there's history behind Amway and its significance for those that maybe don't knows much um they amway supplies tons of different products so do they replace automated people and with products to fill the arena to make it look busier or is that just a bad idea maybe probably um fill it up i with, don't know what they... fill it up with uh, uh hair dryers and boxes of makeup why not why not i mean it's we're in a pandemic somebody's gonna need it um, why not make it something where they could donate? I don't know, kidding aside, like we're—I don't know. We, we saw it in Am, at the a, recent AEW show. They had fans sporadically spread out. If you watch the last edition of Dynamite, does something like that become something where? How do you monitor that? Like, what is? Are they tested before they come in? But here, it's twenty thousand seats of emptiness. There's an echo. Like, uh, do you. 
you can only hide so much. Um, it's not a little place. So yeah, we get that echo even in the performance center and at Skyway yeah. Studios where they've been taping Impact. And and uh, uh, at least with AEW, they have and and I guess uh, uh, WWE in the performance center, they have some people at ringside to to give their to give an atmosphere. Um, but the thing I noticed about even in in those situations is that they don't feel like a crowd. They feel like wrestlers imitating a crowd. Yeah, yeah, for sure, most most definitely. They're they're conditioned the WWE way, aren't they? So they they forget about the fans, and now they have to pretend to be a fan, and it shows that they are pretending. The the vast majority. There's a few there which are great, but then you compare them to what's happening on AEW with Dynamite and it's, it's, it's light and day. The, the, the wrestlers there that are watching the shows, it feels like they're a lot more freer to, to be fans rather than be scripted fans, so to speak. Um, but, but even then, they don't necessarily do certain fan things. I don't hear a lot of this is awesome chants or, or all the creative chants that we tend to get from, from fans coming to shows. This is awesome. The, uh, the chant that Taz loves the very, very most. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a hard one. I'm somewhere else. I'm just reading right now that um, this Amway Center deal is a long-term residency. So have they given up on the pink thing for the rest of the year and having everything at the Amway Center now, do you reckon? So if you're looking at something to be long-term, then there's got to be some sort of plan long-term as to what that's going to look like. Um, Amway's still located in Florida. Are we, am I correct in that? Yep. Yeah, sort of yeah okay. So, so this is the challenge, right? Florida, I'm sure it's no secret, is probably the most affected amongst the U.S. states. Um, is still pretending like nothing is happening and running a show of this size, whether it's a major event, um, they're not going to do a house show. So these major events, is it like how much money is being generated? Does it make sense from a business standpoint? The arena's going to host this as long as I guess they can. But at the same time, there's, you think of fans, you think of safety, you think of money, you think of, it had to have been lucrative enough for the WWE to want to do that for the Amway Center. If they're not going to get um, concerts or any other shows that would have been contributing, it makes sense for them to do it. Would no other state or no other country welcome that? Um, there was rumors that, that, that SummerSlam was going to be held on a, on a boat, on a ship. There was rumors yeah. that it was going to go... Yeah. Uh, up to the northeast, whereabouts in the northeast, I don't know. I think the the general consensus was that it was going to be another arena, maybe a smaller. Uh, we heard uh, the the rumors were that they were they were still trying to to uh, figure out how to have SummerSlam in Boston. That's right. Yeah, but, but uh, the governor of Massachusetts is is very uh, intent on on keeping gatherings small until uh, there's a vaccine for for the virus. And bravo for for them to stand up to that because they're thinking long term. They're not thinking about yeah, yeah. This would be great for us to get the attention, but it went beyond money. Which 
and entertainment is so huge. Um, they should be kind of applauded, I think. I don't know. It's such a difficult topic to to wrap your head around because there's so much uh, um, money involved mm-hmm. that we're not going to be hearing about where it's coming from, who's getting it, uh, uh, how how it's being used. Um, and I think this is one of those uh, uh, see how SummerSlam goes at least, and then and then the raw afterwards before we start uh, uh, speculating on on uh, further events. Exactly. I mean, as this is well documented, I'm Mister Positive. So, as you said, Pete, just um, we'll take one one day at a time. Basically, we will watch SummerSlam. We'll watch the Raw after. We'll see how that goes. How that's received. How the various wrestling sites will report on it, and then I'm sure they will have a backup plan if it all goes completely wrong, or they'll have a plan B if it goes really, really well. Uh, actually, a question just occurred to me: uh, Why would Amway allow WWE to run in the Amway Center when there's that dangerous group Retribution on the loose? <laughs> oh my word! Are they prepared Imagine... for all the property damage that's going to happen? They're probably insured they against wear masks but... either. I wonder if they're going to search them as they come in for chainsaws and things of that description. Oh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. Over here in the UK this weekend, the the government are trialling um, audiences at certain sporting events. We've got the World Snooker Championships taking place at the moment. I don't know if you guys know what snooker is. It's like a long, boring version of pool. And uh, I'm not a snooker fan. And um, uh, there are a lot. The only thing I know about snooker is that uh, some of the controversies have turned out to be kind of adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the British way, really, isn't it? It's a British sport, really. But um, yeah, they're they're allowing some some uh, spectators into the arena. I think it holds something like two thousand, but they're only letting three hundred over the next three days, so three hundred per day. And as long as that goes well, they're going to try and allow. Um, spectators, I think, at horse racing events and slowly, very slowly building up. So, I'm not, could it be that they're going to, there could be like a, a ballot or a lottery for, for, you know, Orlando residents to be able to go and watch that, you know, SummerSlam next week? It's, it's a possibility because no, no information's come out just yet. I wonder where that rumor about the boat actually came from and why that was even leaked if it was. So far from from being like I mean I we we had Hog Wild that happened all those years ago and it, that was outdoor and that was cool and and you had motorcycles involved and it was outdoor event but how safe would have even having an event on a boat even have been? Well, just ask Chris True. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems like a it seems like a scenario where they'd have to test everyone who comes aboard. Yeah. Uh, but hey, that's um, that's SummerSlam done. That's uh, that's the news so far. Obviously, it's breaking as we as we're recording right now. So hopefully, more information will be with you guys uh, and girls when you this, listen to this. Um, so, what did you want to talk about there, Pete? I know you uh, you spoke to me earlier. What was the uh, this topic you wanted to talk about? Uh, Impact Emergence is on this Tuesday, and uh, part two will be uh, next Tuesday. And uh, we have some of the card for that show, uh, at least the card for, for night one. We have Eddie Edwards 
uh, defending in the Open Challenge in the main event. Moose will defend his TNA World Heavyweight Championship against Trey Miguel. Kylie Ray and Taya Valkyrie in a Wrestle House match. And the, the Good Brothers, uh, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows versus Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. Uh, any thoughts about that? Well, people that obviously heard us talk last week about Talking Shop and Mania know that I have a bit of a soft spot for the Good Brothers. And seeing them against Ace Austin and Madman Fulton at, uh, has piqued my interest. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm actually 100% certain. I'm sure Mark has done a, um, an interview with Madman Fulton a few years ago. Is that right, Mark? Sorry? You did a interview with Madman Fulton? I did. It was fortunate. Um, but this was the, this took place just after his time with NXT when he left. Um, and the, the, him showing up at impact was, uh, not something anyone expected. And it, it, though him arriving was a nice fit, right? Um, but excited about this card. I mean, sorry, I apologize. I'm, I've actually tried to watch a little bit of the highlights and the video keeps popping in audio. So I'm trying to watch it quietly. Um, <laughs> oh, so, I forgot. Uh, uh, Motor City Machine Guns versus the North for the Impact Tag Team Championship. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. Their first match was pretty good. Uh, Motor City Machine Guns, always, always fun. Uh, uh, it's been, it's been quite a lot while since we've seen them, uh, since they, they, uh, left, uh, TNA. Um, we were saying about uh, the Good Brothers. Uh, I'm really excited to see uh, how they figure into the the tag division going forward, um, especially because this is a tag division that seems to be growing, and yeah. and it's a tag division that has now three at least of of some of the best tag teams in in the industry right now. Um, Who would you class as, as, as those teams then? Okay, uh, the North. Uh, I absolutely love Josh Alexander and Ethan Page. I see them at Alpha One all the time. Here's hoping Alpha One has shows soon. Uh, I enjoy, like I said, the Motor City Machine Guns. They're back. They're 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 on a roll. And uh, of course, the Good Brothers. I mean, the Machine Guns when they came back, they just they just have not missed a step. Not at all. And you know, we saw Alex Shelley um, back in the. Dusty Rhodes classic when he was tagging with uh, Kushida, and you know, for a guy who's getting up there, he's he's not lost a step at all. Uh, it's just insane, insane. And he's away for a little while to pursue education, know. and no rust showing at all. No. So, with the show being over two nights, uh, Pete, do you? Sorry, is it expected to be over two nights, or uh, it was it announced as taking place over two nights? Which makes me wonder why they front loaded all the championship matches. <laughs> they announced things for the second night, or do you think that's going to come out? I think that's going to come out on when we. Uh, 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 it's going to come out on Tuesday. Sorry, I've been an absolute mess. Where else? Is also, we've also missed. I've also missed the uh, X Division Championship match. Uh, Chris Bay versus TJP versus Rohit Raju. Oh, TJP, the um, little bit of a heat magnet at the moment online. What's been happening there? <sighs> I, I think he was. I can't, I'm sure it was along the lines that he knew his worth. He knew he was the best wrestler in the world. And he knew his worth and all this kind of stuff. And people were like, well, you haven't really shown much. And he was like, well, screw you. I'm sure it was along those lines. Mm. But I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. You know, listen to my wife too much. 
<laughs> Sorry, I can I can diss her on here. She doesn't listen to this. Um, uh, but uh, the yeah that 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 triple threat for the uh, X division. I mean, X division matches are always fun, but a triple threat. I mean, Chris Bay, another guy that has, has been interviewed for for Pro Wrestling Post. Every time I see him, he 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 just excels just that little bit more. He's he's a he's a talent, very very huge talent, a major upside. Uh, I'm excited for this match because when I think of the X Division, uh, especially when I was watching in the, uh, the um, mid to late 2005, uh, the X Division was one of the parts of uh, one of the features of TNA that really that really captured my attention uh, with with all the the crazy acrobatics and you know the, the lack of a weight limit and all these cool things that were happening. And I remember uh, the triple threat matches were were where the X Division really shined. And and if we're going to be bringing some prestige, some interest back into Impact as a brand, uh, uh, that bringing back the uh, the 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 action that used to happen in the X Division is is a great decision. Definitely. I mean, I was very lucky. TNA toured over here in the UK. Oh my word! I don't know when I saw them. It's about nine years ago now, and they had an Ultimate X match. I can't remember every single competitor, but AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels were two competitors, and these two put on one hell of a show. And my my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, had no interest in wrestling, and even she walked away saying, "Wow, you know, if if wrestling was that good each and every day, she would watch it all the time." And as you said, they're slowly bringing back that excitement to the division. They're bringing back the action, the unpredictability that, you know, is what X Division is, is known for. And you pick a yeah. winner. You pick a winner yeah. out of this. Ooh. You see, there's there's the, that's that's the thing, is you, you, I have to balance who I think is going to win and, and who I want to win. <laughs> and Always the favorite. So please fear both, because then, you know, it gives us perspective of being a fan and then looking at something a little more critically, too. Uh, I personally would very much like TJP to win. Uh, I liked his work in WWE, and I, I uh, finding out that he was one of the many faces to play Suicide uh, over the over the years um, had kind of made me realize that he was one of those people who I'd been seeing con- or, uh, 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 quite regularly for some time before I even knew who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like finding out that uh, Orange Cassidy was firing it. Um, yeah, is it's like really under or really seeing and understanding the the talent that he has uh, uh, to go out there and be doing that kind of stuff. Um, however, from uh, a booking decision, I think Chris Bay he only won the championship at Slammiversary. Uh, and if we want to keep him looking looking strong, looking like like he he deserves this championship, it's going to have to be uh, him walking away from this as the winner. Yeah, I second that totally. I mean, we are going to expect I had a suicide story. If you're interested, say that again. Uh, for Pete, I had a funny suicide story. If you're interested, go right ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to deviate from the topic, but when you mentioned TJP playing, so had the chance to talk to uh, Frankie Kazarian and flat out said, so, you know, playing suicide, flat out denied it. Didn't <laughs> he said, 
Not only did he flat out deny it, he said that suicide was played by Angelina Lo- Angelina Love and Samoa Joe. <laughs> uh, there is audio somewhere, maybe even in a past podcast edition, where readers could uh, actually access it. It could have been a funnier moment if I had planned it. It's like he knew it right away, and he had no problem saying, nope, wasn't me, so... Uh, <laughs> It remains a mystery. It was not Frankie Kazarian. Scout's honor. <laughs> Kayfabe's alive, brother. For sure. Who's Kayfabe? <laughs> She's my local baker. <laughs> um, so what else on the this, this first night card? Is there anything else on there? I mean, Moose and Trey Miguel. Trey's another guy that's just upped his game in the last, what, month? Six weeks? <clears throat> and... Moose, <laughs> Moose is entertaining as hell. He is, he's, he's a guy that two years ago I couldn't care less about. And now, since he's, he's found this, this TNA World Heavyweight Championship lying around, he has been entertaining as hell. So this, this could be a very good match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I think of Moose, uh, I'm remembering uh, some of his, his early times with Impact back when they were sort of still rebranding. And I remember him as someone who uh, uh, had a lot of charisma, but seemed to be held back by being uh, uh, the big guy. Um, And seeing him come out with all of this ridiculous TNA World Heavyweight Championship stuff is is like seeing him finally come into his own. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Mark? Um, I find it interesting and... So, this could be completely coincidental, and you tell me what you guys think on it. So, Moose is not a proponent of intergender wrestling at all. Doesn't like it, doesn't support it, um, doesn't agree to it, did not hide that fact. Who's the last TNA heavyweight champion? Uh, uh, Tessa Blanchard, for, for those who might not know. Exactly. Who is a proponent of intergender wrestling? Uh, Tessa Blanchard. There, there you go. So I, I don't know if one is a direct dig at the other or not, but the timing is peculiar. It could be nothing and just totally be co- coincidental. The way I understand it was that Tessa was supposed to be present for um, not emergence. What was the what was the other one earlier this year? It was anniversary. Wasn't it? Uh, no, it was the other. It was the other. Uh, um, the one before that, it, just after the pandemic struck, Rebellion. There you go. That was the one. Impact Rebellion. Um, Tessa Blanchard was supposed to be present for for Impact Wrestling Rebellion uh, to defend uh, the the Impact World Championship against Moose and Michael Elgin, and uh, she was unable to make it due to travel restrictions. And that was when they introduced Moose as the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, just to give uh, them right. a belt in the main event. All yeah, proponents so... in that match had a controversial tie-in. Michael Elgin, Tessa Blanchard, and, and I mean, not to a lesser extent, Moose, really not even so much controversial. It's just interesting how it all kind of how came that, together. Yeah, how that and how that played out moving forward. Yeah. It could be, it could be a rib to start with that's just snowballed into into what it is now and if it if it is kudos you know we all, it's 
it's all for the fans anyway. We, we all know the insight, the ins and outs now. With the amount of news that, that comes out, we all know the ins and outs. So if it is a rib, it's fantastic. If it's not, then, you know, they've made chicken salad out of whatever, you know? And yeah, even with you and I today, Mark. <laughs> I, it was, yeah, it was very tasty as well. The wife made, made chicken salad for dinner. It was very, very tasty. So I've got to say that she's just walked past. <laughs> um, so the um, so for night two, which will be two weeks Tuesday, so you've got Diana Parato against Jordan and Grace in a thirty-minute Iron Woman match. Um, that's, that's got hard hitting all over it for me, especially when you have someone when you have so, someone who's a powerhouse like uh, like Jordan Grace and and someone with the technical uh, skills of Diana Parazzo. Uh, that's just the kind of match that that I think the Iron Man matches was built for. Yeah, definitely, most definitely. Where do you where do you see that going, or is that a silly question? I I, I honestly think that uh, uh, Diana Perazzo probably come out on top, but I feel like there's there'll be some some shenanigans along the way. Like uh, um, I'm remembering that uh, 30 minute Iron Man match between, or no, was it the hour long Iron Man match between? Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle that happened on SmackDown. SmackDown, yes, yes, good um, memory. But I'm remembering that one just because of the uh, Brock Lesnar taking the chair shot uh, or giving giving Angle the chair shot early on and uh, capitalizing on that later to win. Yeah, because that's something I don't think we've seen uh, uh, happen again. I mean, that was what 15 years ago, if uh, that. Even more, probably. Yeah. So yeah, you know what's what's new is old, and what's old is new. So they, they they could be. I mean, if this does come to pass, we're we're both me and Mark are going to both tap you up next week for in inside scoop on next week's impact. So just be warned. Oh, the troubles with clairvoyance. <laughs> Once you can see the future, everyone wants to know everything. <laughs> and yourself, Mark, have you got? Can you pick a winner? Um, uh, I I'm going to agree with Pete on this. I'm, I definitely see it being. Uh, Prazzo retaining. I don't know so much about shenanigans being a part of it. Uh, I think, if anything, it's a definite statement, and it really secures uh, Diana as finally being somebody that has all the skill, all this ability, and yet not gotten those opportunities, and now the opportunity is here. Uh, I just, I don't think there's been much made about the length of her contract. I think it's it's per. She's per appearance, unless I misunderstood that, or that was more rumor and. I believe that was that was rumor. That was what was going on uh, before she left for WWE. Uh, she was there on a per appearance basis, and then now that she's uh, uh, now that she's no longer under contract with WWE, uh, she's she was free to sign with Impact. Ah, okay, okay. So now it is. It's not per appearance. She's under contract. She's under contract with with Impact Wrestling. Oh, great. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of still stand by the her retaining. I just don't think it needs to be underhanded. I think she came in, she kicked butt. She definitely made a statement right upon crossing paths with Jordan. I just think if they're going to go with this virtuosa persona that is straight ahead... It kind of deviates from being that straight-ahead character if you're going to have to use underhanded methods or somebody else. Unless the underhanded is to introduce somebody else, like like Lufistu comes in and 
who has a history with Jordan Grace. I think that might not be a bad thing because that's a story that never fully got its end. And anybody's seen those two in the past. It's, 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 what's the old saying? Anything's possible in a wrestling ring. So yeah, you, you never know. You, you never, never know. Just to, um, change tax slightly there. We, um, everyone in the wrestling world this week, we lost, uh, we lost someone last Sunday, uh, James Harris, who, uh, many of you will know, hopefully know as Kamala. Um, he unfortunately passed away last Sunday. Uh, Mark wrote a piece, uh, chronicling his, his life and times in and, and in and outside the wrestling ring. Uh, Mark, just exactly how important is Kamala and to, to the business? Uh, his importance uh, as a character, it's, it's, I'd say iconic in its, in him coming up in the eighties. Um, I, I can't speak for Pete, but I, I would think that part of your, my childhood, uh, was remembering this giant who was a savage, never spoke a word. You never heard him say anything. He had a handler and it was frightening and we were threatened by him. And to know that as a main event talent who had featured matches with Hulk Hogan and um, countless others to not be rewarded is a shame. Um, you mentioned Kamala as being part of uh, my experience in wrestling. Um, he would have been a little bit before my time. Uh, I remember him as, as uh, uh, kind of a, a comedic presence, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. uh, upon, uh, upon hearing of his passing, I went looking through some of his older uh, uh, work, and I find it interesting to, to to see the depth that that he was able to reach with that character uh, outside of WWE. Because uh, if you look at at some of the stuff he did in Florida and Tennessee, sometimes he comes off as as genuinely threatening and frightening, mm-hmm. and I think that that was part that we didn't really get all of in in the world wrestling federation. No, agreed. Agreed. When, when you see him, you see the frightening character, but then you could see this larger man that's having to play timid and cower because he's vulnerable and taking advantage of by people. It's almost seems like it's a reflection of his life. Like Vince gave him these opportunities, earned money from him. And then here he is living out being weak because somebody's just used him. But it's actually playing out where he's frightened and he's scared. And you feel bad now for the giant. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is a small person. Which, which, which is a thing that we didn't get so very often from uh, uh, the foreign heels in wrestling. No. Um, to hear about the struggles he had later in life uh, was also uh, uh, very very touching and 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 uh, uh concerning at some parts uh sort of all the financial struggles and, and seeing how how kind of spat out he was by by the wrestling industry once he wasn't able to to perform anymore mm-hmm. that's that's uh unfortunately that the the nasty side of the wrestling industry there's plenty of stories out there of, of ex-wrestlers who have fallen on hard times or illness 
and I think shunned is too much of a strong word, but you definitely get the feeling that more can have been done to help James and and many others in that situation towards the end there. When, when remembering his life, it's like Pete was referring to, right? His health was a concern. He lost both limbs, uh, sorry, both of his legs uh, to amputation due to diabetes. Um, now, being diagnosed with COVID, passing away, unfortunately, from cardiac arrest, and it will be diagnosed as a, or recognized as a COVID death, even though he had a heart attack. Even in death, it seems like nothing is simple <laughs> when it's come to his life. And to really think back, it's almost like all these things are weaved together, and yet there was a time he was jaded from the business. He stepped away. Um, after leaving in 93, he had wanted nothing to do with, with wrestling. He didn't watch it. And then the opportunity came to be part of the Dungeon of Doom, and he was brought in as part of Kevin Sullivan's crew, right, in 95. And then from there, that, that was it, right? He, um, he had gimmick battle royals or one-offs, but it wasn't seemed like it was something that was a focal point. He was fine to even move on with his life. Chuck Driver, um, but yeah, it's, it's sad to, to see that. And imagine what could have been if he was used in, and earned the money and gained the respect, especially in today's day and age where racism is being fought and major changing of the wrestling landscape should be changed. It's, it was pretty telling. Yeah, definitely, definitely makes you, your heart go out to to his family and and to uh, uh, other wrestlers who who find themselves in similar scenarios, being kind of left to rot after your your time has come. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very sad end to a, a great career, and um, all of us here at Person and Post send our condolences to James's family. Yes. So from one wrestler from the past, let's talk about a manager from the past. Mark, you hinted last week that we had a piece going out about a a wrestling manager from the past. And it did really well, didn't it, Mark? It it really did. Um, If you hadn't checked out the site this past week, uh, Jim Phillips produced Slick the Doctor Style. Uh, It is the next in our series of managers of wrestling's past. Um, It chronicles his early life, to his career in the WWE, his connections with different talent, um, and uh, just the total character. Um, I, As a kid, I would do that whole Jive So Bro dance, and it, it was funny, and it was probably meant to be funny. Um, I, I don't know if it's as funny today as it probably was then, but it didn't. it wasn't intended to be hurtful or offensive. It was just meant to be fun. And uh, he was a manager of lots of guys, not really champions, but lots of different guys. And he was a great focal point to kind of, for those that weren't as strong on the mic. And it was always a great read. If you get a chance, please go over, check it out. Slick, managers of our wrestling's past, or of wrestling's past, it's uh, the latest part in our origin series. Uh. I was surprised to find out that he's the that Slick is the son of uh, legendary Rufus R. Jones. Yeah. And uh, oh man, he definitely got his father's tongue because Rufus <laughs> R. Jones, another man who was excellent on the mic, and 
Oh yeah, just just those promos slick and cut. Well, that was. It's funny that you said that because that was almost verbatim one of the statements that that Jim makes is like right from his mummy's. As soon as he came out, he had the gift to gab almost from birth. So it's definitely that it was genetic. Or um, something he picked I, up from from just having his dad around all the time, mm-hmm. being around someone who was just that charismatic. I was introduced to Slick when he formed the Twin Towers over here in the UK, and um, I've not long watched the film Airplane. Do you two know the film Airplane? I do oh, know yeah. the film Airplane. So you, there's, a, there's a scene in that where there's the, the two Jive Soul brothers, and they're talking Jive. And the, the, the air stewardess just hasn't got a clue. And then all of a sudden she'll start talking. And seeing Slick talk, it just reminded me of Airplane. I, I just thought Airplane was, was a rib. I didn't know it was real. You know, people like that spoke at the time. And watching Slick do the talking with the boss man and Akeem behind it or to the side. And I was just enthralled, absolutely enthralled. And the piece that Jim wrote, it just, it, it really was a very well thought out, well written. And it just brought back so many memories and hope that, you know, that that's, that's the whole point of, of these, these um, origins. Just, just, just bring back some fuzzy, warm memories. How about that? Agreed. Agreed. So, um, Slick, let's, uh, let's jump to a different content. Let's go to Japan. What else did we, um, did we put up last week, Mark? We had a wonderful piece uh, from one of our roving uh, Purusu. I'm going to make sure that I pronounce it correctly. Pete, that's uh, where I defer to you, my friend. Purusu. Purusu, um, which is Japanese wrestling stated in Japanese. I need to really brush up on that. Uh, last week, uh, or this past week, we had what is the latest in our Trailblazers series, the fourth of the pillars. Um, Mr. Toshiaka Kawada? Did I pronounce that correctly? Sorry? Toshiaki Kawada. Toshiaka Kawada. Look at that. Um, One of considered the most dangerous man in Japanese wrestling. Some will argue where he ranks. Um, I know Alex will definitely state that Mr. Uh, Kobashi is his top, he's his, the pillar of the pillars, um, with Tao being the fourth. Where does Kawada rank in your estimation, Pete? Uh, Toshiaki Kawada is the one pillar of heaven who scared me. <laughs> uh, I think of all of them, he was the one who, like you said, he was the the, the one who came across as more, as, as more dangerous, more vicious, and and really just the one guy I didn't want to mess with at all. Because uh, you could felt it felt like uh, uh, Kabashi uh, had a had a sense of humor about him, and Misawa was just was just fantastic. But uh, uh, Kawada came across as the one who who could really hurt you. See, um, this is this is way out of my comfort zone. So I will, I will just defer to you two guys when you know in this uh, conversation, but. Reading the piece and reading the pieces that have, that have come out about the four pillars so far has really made me want to go back and just check all this out because this this is just fascinating. We don't this is wrestling that I hadn't really seen before. Obviously, I've seen strong style, but but to this 
and, and and the backstory to everything and the the, the politics you wouldn't think of politics in japanese wrestling and yet they, they had so much politics it was a really great read much recommended well i i, I think between that and the site's introduction to Joshi and really becoming a resource. And I think that's part of where we see the vision being is that if we're a resource, we're becoming educated on it because we can trust those that are like Pete's going to share something eventually that's going to be pretty special and is educating and enlightening much like you shared Mark with uh, the passing of uh, rollerball, right? Uh, I think if we're all teaching each other, we all become better for it. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's I I I, I like to write. I like to be entertained. I like to be informed. So if I can do that, then to 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 everyone else, then you know my my job's pretty much done. And surrounding us, I know it sounds like a complete advert here or an ad for for the site, but we we all in our group chat, our secret, super secret group chat on Facebook. We are all talking and in, uh, informing each other and and um, educating each other all the time about things of you know different facets of wrestling. It's it's great. It really is. Agreed. Yes, one of the great parts about about writing for here and and write, and writing with uh, uh, all the other staff is that you know we all have we all have our uh, um, areas of expertise and and everyone really gets to learn something from working here. Indeed. See, I said it last week. I'll say it again. We entertain and we educate. Look at that. Well, that could be a strap line. That would be mm, very good. So from things that we've uh, put out so far, what about a few things we've got coming forward? Um, you hinted there about Pete's piece, which I'm dying to read because, uh, well, you tell us all about it, Pete. Uh, I'm doing a Trailblazers piece on uh, the exotic Adrian Street, uh, yeah. one of the one of the great uh, uh, gender bending wrestlers in the in the history of the of the sport. Uh, really excited to to see uh, some of his stuff because, um, as much as as I do enjoy uh, uh, some of the earlier wrestling stuff. Uh, I was not f as familiar with uh, Adrian Street's work, um, but he was one. He was a name that that I heard uh, uh, all the time, and and finally getting around to seeing uh, what he was able to do with that gimmick and and hearing about how that gimmick came about um, was even quite was even quite fascinating because uh, I had figured that from gorgeous george to adrian street would have been a straight line but it was not like that at all and and to see the the legacy of his so clearly is is just fascinating super excited to read it pete super excited and that will be out sometime this week i'm not going to say when because that's just giving the game away. So just keep watching our socials and you will find out when it's posted. Uh, also out this week, I think actually it's out tomorrow at the time of recording, which is Saturday for you guys. Um, what, we have another Shark Tale, don't we, Mark? We certainly do. Um, we, we talked a lot about the WWE, but uh, Mr. Andrew Carter, uh, re retired Andrew Shark 
the shark, Andrew Carter, uh, is going to share about his experience with the WWE and how that all came about. Um, training, um, always a fun read, always run fun reading his tales. You'll get to in- experience what he experienced um, tomorrow. Yeah, that's tomorrow. I edited that piece, so I've had a quick sneaky peek. And as usual, as you said, entertaining as always. And um, I think there's quite a few uh, name drops there, isn't there, Mark? There certainly is. Wow. Yeah. Shoulders with some pretty, pretty special stars. But uh, you'll you'll read all about that tomorrow, or by the time you've you've heard this, you've read it already. Um, also out this this uh, this week is my second ETW show from 1995. I've got I reviewed sorry the Return of the Funker, and you know, surprisingly, it's headlined by the Return of Terry Funk. Huh, how about that? Um, it's a very good show. Uh, it's a very violent show. There's a barbed wire baseball bat match, which... Whoa, hope you've got a strong stomach. That's all I'm going to say, if you watched it, or you can just read my review and uh, be, a bit, be a bit better on the palate. Um, uh, it's a very good read. It's out... I'm going to say that because I wrote it. So, there. But it's out this Sunday, and I uh, hope, uh, hope you enjoyed it. I, I got a lot of great feedback from my first piece which is always good to hear. I had people reach out to me and say how, how they enjoyed it, and it's pushed me to carry on and, and do the rest. So that's out this Sunday, and that is about it for things this week. We're just going to hark back very, very quickly to last week, where you may remember we spoke about the first episode of Raw Underground, and we had the second episode of Raw Underground this week, folks. I was just about to mention that because I, I had it on my notes and it's the only thing I haven't ticked off yet. Yeah. Um, I was leaving that too long. Those are, because... uh, by the way, uh, uh, my notes uh, should be distinguished from the Notorious Notes, which are Nick Radford's notes, which you can find on the Pro Wrestling Post site. How's that for a plug? Oh, look, look at, at that. that. That's a segue. Mm. Look at that. <laughs> so <sighs> after last week uh, and our optimism so for Raw Underground. Sorry, man. What? I'm just so impressed by that. That was so well done. I, I'm clapping over here. <laughs> oh, my God. So, folks, after last week's debut episode of Raw Underground, and I think we had a little bit of optimism, what do we think after the second episode? Pete, you uh, hit me with it. Come on. It's definitely coming across as a way to get people who otherwise wouldn't be on TV on TV. Like I don't think we would have been hearing much from Riddick Moss if it weren't for if it weren't for Raw Underground. And in that in that context, uh, uh, I think it's it's all right. Um, we're still no closer to finding out what it's leading up to, or indeed why Shane is running it. Um, but I think as a way of getting people on TV and and putting over Davocado, it's working just fine. Yeah, it's. I hate to say it again, but it, it's definitely got potential. What well, say you, Mark? I'm still a little confused if if the idea is that it's supposed to be weaved in. Is the idea that it's always supposed to be weaved in, and that it's a segment? Because how is that any different than Ms. TV, which is a segment? It's just a. Oh, by the way, that we're gonna go to Raw Underground. That like this this gym that's happening. Behind the scenes, 
but it's supposed to be fake. And I, I think the criticism around it, I get, especially like um, I think Medusa came out more recently and had issue with the go-go dancers that are a part of it. Like, and there's like, are we going to pick apart what's wrong with it? Do we want something different? You get something different. Now, I, I'm just, I don't mind it, but I just, I'm a little confused with, I think as you guys have referred, where is it headed? What's the long-term plans for it? And, and I guess maybe that's part of being fans is right. We just kind of sit and wait. It's, it's definitely possibly, hopefully, some of that long-term storytelling you were talking about last week. But what annoys me the most is that, as as Pete just said, it's and, and yourself, there's no... It doesn't feel any different to any other segment that the show has done. If it was... Uh, how can I put it? If it was across the street and all of a sudden they've they've hijacked the feed and they're showing this, that makes more sense than... Well, next on is up is Raw Underground, and they'll cut to it. It's it doesn't feel it doesn't feel uh, different. It feels very much stale. But what they're doing there is different, as Pete said. They're elevating talent. Did, did you see Brain the Blazer this week? Uh, you took on three women. Yes, I did. That was the best thing she has done since she's been called up, <clears throat> and she's had championship matches. They they showcased her like the complete badass that she is, like she was in NXT before they watered her down when they brought her up. If they're going to to keep doing that, not just for Basler, but for, as you said, you know, Riddick Moss. Who else was on there? Was was it Rias? I can't think of that one. And and Dabakato. It's a way of elevating. Let's, Let's keep that going, but try and make it different to what Raw is itself. It's different because it's held in a ring with no ropes. But it's still a segment, as Marcus put. Like, yeah, do just... you completely forget that that the hurt business completely obliterated everybody? That means nothing anymore. That happened well, last. <laughs> were they out buying new suits? Were they just out for a bite to eat? What were they doing? They weren't there. After the way it finished last week, they just was not on the show at all. It's it, 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 there's no continuity and. You know, Kevin Dunn and his, uh, once again, his insane need for 30,000 cuts in three seconds makes people feel sick. That's the downside. The upside is is everything that I just mentioned with, with the, the Baslers, with the Mosses, Apocatos. It's, it's got potential, but it's only so long that I, I'm talking to myself here. It's only so long that we're going to give it before we go, do you know what? Nah, we're done. Thank you very much. So how long do you reckon it's going to be before people start, if they already are saying that? And that's kind of a thing that we're seeing a lot on online with the criticism about it is that it all seems so so directionless and and uh, uh, that it seems to be incongruous with everything else that they're putting out. I think some of those could be could be excused if we had some more direction for where this was going. Yes, yes. It, uh, again, with with Vince and his, his genesis, genesis, genius, he he thinks that maybe we don't need to be told where it's going. We should just enjoy the ride and all that. But no, we do need. It's like it's like going to a cinema and watching a film and not knowing the plot or anything else. We're just shown things and supposed to go. Yes, okay, not a problem. That's how I kind of feel with this, and I'm hoping, Mr. Positive, that we're going to get there at some point soon. 
Ooh, whether we do or not, I don't know. This is Vince. This is WWE. It's his baby. But hey ho, it's it's all up out, out for interpretation. What say you, Mark? Um, much like you, man. I, I'm I'm in the same boat. I, I hope for the best. Um, or proceed with caution. Don't know what's what to expect, uh, but at the same time, I, I, I think the look is is interesting. Maybe that's the optimistic part. I just if it's gonna elevate, okay. But if it's if it's not gonna be tied to something bigger, uh, why doesn't it just go straight to the to the network? Why doesn't it just like NXT was like? If you wanted your subscription, you had to watch NXT. You and you wanted to watch NXT. You had to get your WWE Network card. You had to make sure that you're watching it. Well, now they've changed to the USA Network. Anybody in the US can watch it. Um, both yourself in the UK and us here in Canada, we're affected by watching it live. I feel a disconnect with NXT. If this was a must-watch show that was lots of segments still weaved in and storytelling and interviews and all of that with the look, it might be something else entirely. Oh, you want to check out Raw Underground. It becomes, they're like a buzz that's created around it, but it's not weaved into Raw. It's kind of like what the Cruiserweights, uh, I mean, we both, I, I, I don't know about anybody else. I enjoyed watching 205 Live. But when you mix the Cruiserweights in, at the end of a show, are you less likely to watch it? Well, I tell you, the crowds were half empty at 10 o'clock yeah. for that third hour when that's on. Maybe that's something that they do with Raw Underground. Maybe that's somewhere that they should push it. Maybe it goes straight to the network, and then there's this build. And then they release clips trying to build buzz around it. But weaving it in on the third hour in the midst of a pandemic where... If you're going to go cinematic, go all out, make it cinematic, but make it a feature on something where people have to go to the network to watch. So so do you remember when WWE bought WCW and they were going to float the idea of having the second hour of Raw being Nitro? So is that what you're trying to say? They should have like maybe the last half an hour of the show be Raw Underground? No, because I don't know if it would work for a live crowd. I'm actually saying separated entirely. And that would have been a problem because we can see how 205 Live's ratings were always low because the crowds in attendance generally are younger, they're families, right? At 10 o'clock, that third hour where all those young kids, where all the kids are watching it, they're tired. They're going to school the next day. Um, I can't speak for it in the UK, but here, um, they're generally gonna float out you're going to lose your audience. So you're going to lose your audience, and you know it's not live. You're looking at a half-empty crowd. You're, people aren't connected to the characters. On NXT, it's a smaller venue. The energy is high. If they did that with 205 Live, it might have been different. Could they have done something like that with Raw Underground? Maybe that would make it mean more, is that it's its own separate, I wouldn't say brand, but show, something. You know, maybe there's a fight that actually happens in the parking lot, which was, but it's it's part of the show. Like, it's, I don't know if that's making much sense, but it makes it different. Yeah, and, and I think the thing about it, 
having the idea of, of having Raw Underground as a show with a crowd kind of doesn't make sense to me. And I think I think with it being kind of this underground thing where the only people there are the people who want to be involved with it. I think that kind of alleviates some of the pressure of having to have an audience uh, uh, present. Right. But, you know, we've, we've been talking about all these other ideas and, and as we're talking, I'm just coming up with all these other ideas about how this could be made to work. You know, we talked about uh, uh, the Hurt Business showing up and, and just wrecking house on that first episode. Why can't they come back and say finance it the way Ted DiBiase did with the New World Order? Why hey. not? Why not have WWE Underground as its own show? Why not have all these other things that would have made it a little more palatable? Maybe given us a little more idea of where it's going. But instead, we just have this this another segment on Raw. Yeah, it's definitely we've, we've been dangled with the carrot. But we don't know if that makes sense. We've 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 been. We know told... that there's something on a stick. We're not sure it's a carrot. <laughs> Could rhyme with stick. You never know. Um. Yeah. So so. Okay, guys. Are we going to talk about this next week? Are we are we still positive that it's going to do something, or or have we we started to wane off it a little bit? I think it's it's going to be a this is going to be one of those things we 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 set aside. Because there, there will be something more interesting. I think we'll probably get payoff some some uh, uh, ideas about what's going on with retribution before we have any any direction <laughs> for for Raw Underground. So unless Mister Lesnar makes an unscheduled appearance at Raw Underground, we're just leaving it alone for a bit, yeah. Yeah. Or or any UFC star for that matter, right? It could be if there's that relationship with a major MMA star coming in. Hey. You know, I mean, King Velasquez, that did not go over well, sadly. But that's injury and, and those other things aside. Yeah, much like you said, like if it's tied to something bigger, we'll invest it. I, I'm with you guys on that. Right. So we are drawing a line under it, folks. We will not talk about it next week unless, like I said, Lesnar comes back and kicks everyone's ass. Um, I think that is it, folks. Um, just want to say once again fantastic time here chatting with my buds about one of my favorite subjects if anyone would like to hit us up where would people find you mark you would be able to connect with me personally if you wanted um on instagram you've got uh, a pro wrestling post that's our instagram 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 page uh one of two twitter handles at the mark madison that's one or our site twitter handle at pro wrestling pst and you can also find us on facebook and we have a Facebook page where um, you can access us as well. So, yeah. <laughs> and yourself, Mr. Moon, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Pete Probably. Uh, you could also send me mail to uh, number one, just past the ridge, Cydonia Mars. <laughs> uh, somebody, please, somebody out there, listen to this. You need to DM Pete and ask him about his Twitter handle. Okay, because we've—I've said this a week ago, and no one's done it yet. So I'm, this is a challenge for you guys. Ask him about his Twitter handle. I'm Mark Blake. You can find me at, at Mark Blake PST on Twitter, uh, and that's about it. But just before I go, uh, a little story. Um, funnily enough, this is not my day job. I do have a proper day job where I deliver groceries to people, and I deliver to somebody that knows me from my ring announcing days and I was chatting away to him and everything else. Every time I go there, 
he draws me a picture. And I've got all these pictures. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see the, the I post the pictures on there each and every time I, I see him. And I turned up today and gave him his, his shopping, his food groceries. And he gave me the picture, which I will post again, not long after this goes live, of me recording this podcast. His name is Super Owen, and he's the most awesome dude in the world. Read my Twitter, because I can't really talk about him without getting upset. So read my Twitter, where I can write about him and forward you his Twitter handle. And you can see the amount of amazing charity work that he does. And uh, yeah. Owen, thank you for the pictures. Thank you for listening and keep up the damn good work, dude. And on that note, it is time to say goodbye. So we will see you this time next week. Adios, folks.